0: Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, we're talking food diary strategies for success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 94 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we are talking about different strategies to track your intake, why they're important, some pros and cons, and how to determine whether or not you are the type of person that should even use a food journal or food diary and track your intake. And if you're not that person, what are some alternatives? So, Nicole, first, I guess we want to start with why use a food journal or a food diary. And I think this is a crucial conversation because I, I really think that people need to know what the importance is and how it's used and what, what it's used for. Yeah. I I think oftentimes what I hear from people is they'll start a weight loss or fat loss journey or a muscle building journey or whatever it may be. And they'll say, okay, well, if I want to build muscle, I, I know Because I followed whoever on Instagram, whatever, whatever I'm looking at, I know I need to eat more protein. So I'm just going to do that without tracking. Or Mm -hmm. if I have a weight loss strategy and I want to lose weight, I'm just going to cut out carbs or I'm going to do a low fat diet or I'm going to go keto or I'm going to do intermittent fasting. And I'm going to do one of these strategies. But the big miss is when you're not tracking, because at the end of the day, a huge portion of it comes down to energy in versus energy out, but there's also other factors in it. There's the education piece, there's the awareness piece of yourself and how you eat and what your patterns are. There is also the macronutrient composition and what you're Mm -hmm. eating and the hunger and satiety. So Nicole, I want to get into that. And I guess let's start with the education piece and what a food journal teaches you on your journey for whatever your goal may be.
1: That's a good place to start. What does a food journal teach you? Like, what are the things that you really are supposed to learn when you first start journaling as opposed to a specific type of diet or things that you need to cut out or add in the the baseline is just to figure out what do you know for sure about what you're doing in terms of your nutrition? Right.
0: Well, so I think the first thing you learn is you learn about your eating habits, right? You learn a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing. And I think oftentimes what I find is that you and I, Nicole, do this thing where it's okay. You just started working with me. Mm-hmm. You're going to log in a food journal for a week, maybe two. I don't, Nicole, you do two or one week. I do two. Okay. Yeah. So you do two weeks. I do one week. Either way, what it, what we say is try not to change anything within that right. time frame, And let's see what your baseline is. And right mm-hmm. off the bat, that second session in mm-hmm. after we've said to do that, we often find that people are like, okay, I, I, this was an eye opener for me.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. When you do that, the reason why that's so important to start with is that like you just said, most people go, okay, I want to wait. I want to lose weight. They think they have to reconstruct their entire food plan and change everything and throw out all the things that they're currently doing to get to that point. And the reason why, the baseline journal is so important is to find out if there really is stuff that you're like, what do you really need to work on? A lot of the times when they come in and go, this was really eye opening. They realize maybe two or three, like really juicy things. They're going over the calories. They're under the calories. They're low protein or high protein, too many carbs, not enough fiber, like very simple, basic things that we can change that start off with those little pieces that are the big dial movers. And then you don't have to re- redevelop and do keto or change your entire food plan. It can be something very simple and very basic that you might be missing. And so why not find out right out the gate what those things may be without feeling like you have to redevelop your entire lifestyle from a food standpoint?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can just take a look at your day and say, well, I'm not getting adequate protein. And I realize that now. And it's interesting because with that, and Nicole, we've talked about this a lot with the protein thing is often, oftentimes what happens is people underestimate calories and they overestimate protein, right? So they think that they're eating far less calories than they're actually eating. And they think that they're eating a lot more protein than, than they're actually eating. So, you know, first session in, okay, well, you know, this is about how much protein is estimated for you to eat based on your goals, Mm -hmm. your height, your weight, you know, all that information. And this is how many calories. And then it's like, oh well, yeah, I'm I'm definitely doing that. Or somebody who comes in and they're like, okay, like I I've been in eating in a deficit. I, I don't know why I'm not losing weight. And my response is always, well, then you're not in a calorie deficit, right? Yeah. And then it's like, oh well, it's my hormones. It's this and that. It's that. Okay, great. Let me have you log for one week. Don't change anything about your eating habits. Put in literally everything that you put in. And then it's like, oh, wow, I had no idea I was eating that many calories or I had no idea I was only getting 30 grams of protein in a day. Or I had no idea that, you know, I I thought I was eating a ton of carbs, but I'm I'm actually not really eating enough carbs. Right. And then that creates that awareness of what you've been doing. And then it creates a path forward for you.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And I think, Nicole, the other piece to it is understanding portions. Yeah. So this is where we get into portion distortion and I'll go into the, uh, the cereal model that I always talk about. And side note, I haven't forgotten about the cereal, the cereal with OJ. Oh boy. Yeah. So there was a reason there was, there was a couple of reasons why I wanted to do this video on Instagram is the first thing I want to do is I want to pour a bowl of cereal and say, and just pour just as people normally do. Yeah. Um, the second thing I want to do is cereal with orange juice. I'm like, let me try that because I have a feeling it's going to be horrible. Sounds horrible. (laughs) The the third thing is, well, so I want to take that portion and then I want to portion it out and I want to say, okay, well, this is typically people's breakfast, right? They pour a bowl of cereal Mm -hmm. and they take if you were to take that bowl of cereal that you poured and portion it out, look at the label, look at the nutrition facts panel. And I think that's an excellent opportunity for you to learn to to learn how to read the labels, look at it, see what a, a, serving a serving actually is mm-hmm. and then take the bowl that you normally pour and then break it up into servings of, let's say the serving size is three fourths of a cup because that's normally what it is. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is that you're likely eating yeah, two four, or two, maybe five, like you're eating a decent mm-hmm. amount more. And then before you know it, you just had a breakfast that is
1: 700 calories
0: a lot. Right. And yeah. you know, if, just in carbohydrates, right? So, you know, you could have 150 grams of carbs for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's important, oftentimes I get with people, Nicole, we've we've talked about glycemic control, having mm-hmm. consistent carbohydrates and the same amount for you know, meal after every meal every meal. And oftentimes people aren't paying attention to this. And I think part of the food journal is really to understand portions because it forces you to look at what you're eating and what the quantity is. And this is where mm-hmm weighing and measuring comes in because in yeah. order to log into a food journal, you have to weigh and measure your quantities. Otherwise, yep. you know, what are you putting in? You can't just log in a food can't journal and guess. estimate yeah. because you have no idea what a portion actually looks like until mm-hmm. you've put it on a food scale, put it in a measuring cup and then yeah. seeing, okay, what is, what does this actually look like? Oh, I get this with protein all the time. Okay. Well yeah. I had, four ounces of protein. And then it turns out you had two and a half or on the opposite end. Well, I have four ounces of chicken with my meal and you had six, seven, eight ounces, right? You had almost, you have no perception. And this is what boggles my mind is that when people think they have perception and I'm like, based off of what you've literally never weighed a food or a port or measured out a portion in your entire life. So now you're going to tell me that you know what four ounces of chicken. is. Yeah, looks
1: like. I'm so, Nicole, I swear, I know I'm getting enough protein. And I'm always like, OK, measure it, weigh it, put it in and let and let's see. Maybe you are, which never happens, to be honest with you. But you have to let people kind of figure out, you know, where their starting point is.
0: I'll say this. You don't need to weigh and measure forever. You don't need to be tied to a food journal forever. No. However,
1: <laughs>
0: it is a tool that teaches you about your portion sizes. And then you can be able to, within roughly a half ounce, estimate Mm -hmm. what a portion actually looks like after you've seen it. You have no comparison, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you have no reference for you to say, okay, well, this is X amount of ounces of chicken Mm -hmm. or meat or turkey or whatever it is, right? So that is a huge piece of understanding why we need to start tracking what our intake is. The other thing, Nicole, is understanding macros Mm -hmm. and really understanding. I can't tell you how many times people say, well, peanut butter is a source of protein or avocado is a source of protein. And I'm like "Mm, the peanut butter. I can understand because it's often marketed that way. Yeah. That like high in protein, like you'll see it on labels but the avocado thing is just like a shot in the dark I, and I hear it all the time. <laughs> and I feel like it's probably because people perceive avocados with, it has like a health halo on it. Like, Oh, healthy
1: well, option. healthy it's option,
0: healthy option It's healthy food. And it is, it's predominantly monounsaturated fats, which are great, but there's virtually no protein in it. And there's just a little bit of carbs in it. So really understanding what, Makeup. what constitutes a source of protein, what constitutes what would be in the category of a carb Mm -hmm. and what constitutes what would be a fat. So when I look at the peanut butter example, I say, okay, well, two tablespoons of peanut butter has six grams of protein and 16 grams of fat. What is that? A a source of protein or a source of fat does Mm -hmm. that protein and those amino acids in there? Will they add into your amino acid pool for the day? Yeah, absolutely. But they're not going to get you to, if you're at a goal of, hey, I want to achieve uh, weight loss or I want to build muscle. If you want to hit a goal of 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight, you're not going to yeah. do it in peanut butter, peanut butter. <laughs> without without going over, over consuming yeah. something else. That's like saying also with beans, right? If I have mm-hmm. a cup of beans, it's 15 grams of uh, of protein, but it's 45 grams of carbs. So if you're yeah. trying to hit that goal, by just eating beans, and I know that's ex- an extreme example, but if you're trying to hit that goal by just eating beans, you're going to end up way over on carbohydrates. So it's important to understand what the primary, primary sources of that is. And just to kind of simplify that and give that to you up front, it's meat, yeah. fish, poultry, dairy, and eggs. And I would say soy is probably in that category too. And you've got some other vegetarian, like you could do uh, tempeh, which also has some level of carbohydrates in it. Uh, and then you can do, um, what is that, seitan, which is uh, weak gluten, yep. totally. right? So so there are other sources that aren't animal-based, but typically speaking, your animal-based foods are going to be the highest protein composition and also the most favorable amino acid composition for uh, the results that you're looking for, either in the gym or with weight loss and, and things of that sort. But understanding macronutrients and really being able to put your meals together and coming up with a strategy of, okay, well, how am I going to fit X amount of grams of protein, carbs, and fat per meal? And then how's that, how does that look in terms of calories? I think one of the other important things that you're learning when logging in a food journal is you're learning how your macronutrients equate to calories, right? So I say this all the time for people who just focus on calories, Nicole, you and I, have, we've talked about this mm-hmm. for people who just focus on calories. Let's flip that conversation. You don't need to focus on calories at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's various reasons why we don't want you to just focus on calories, which we'll get into in a moment, mm-hmm. but let's flip that. And let's say focus on macronutrients because the macronutrients are always going to equal what your calories are. So yeah.
1: if, if you're br- balanced,
0: if they're balanced, but if you, let's say if you structured it in a way and you break yeah. down your calories into their respective macronutrients mm-hmm. and then distribute that throughout the day, you're going to have far more success and you're going to have success from a standpoint of hunger and satiety. And I think that's the biggest piece oftentimes. And I'll say this up front, you're going to lose weight in a calorie deficit regardless of what your macronutrient uh, breakdown looks like. You could be eating high fat, low fat, high carb, low carb, moderate carb, like low protein, high protein. You're going to lose weight. The question is going to be how hungry are you going to be throughout the process? Can you maintain it? Are you satiated after your meals? Are you hungry soon after your meals? Are you hungry before your meals? Yeah. Right. We may even have to, in some cases, adjust and say, Well, maybe we have to cut back your fiber or cut back your protein a little bit because you're feeling too full right now. Mm -hmm. And are you going to be able to comply and are you going to be able to adhere to that program given your macronutrient composition? So this is why I'd rather focus on macronutrients rather than calories. The other piece to that is you don't just want to lose weight. You want to lose body fat,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? You don't want to lose muscle. Muscle is something that we either work very hard for or something that's going to keep our resting metabolism elevated. So eating adequate protein, focusing on your macronutrients is an important strategy in your process. And I think the food journal from a standpoint of even really understanding your hunger and satiety cues, you don't just have to keep a, a journal of food in that process. You can keep a journal of my satiety, right? You can rate it one to five or do it however you want and say, okay. This is how I felt after this meal. I felt stuffed or this is how I felt after this meal. I felt like it, it was fine. I was a little bit hungry after this meal, but I can, mm-hmm. which is what we're looking for typically when you're doing fat loss, like we'll say, okay, we'll stop at 80% full. And really the food journal will help you to understand what that 80% looks like. The other piece, Nicole, is tracking your cues or your triggers, like what causes you to eat certain foods and what, what kind of establishes certain patterns for you.
1: Yeah, what like is it um is it an emotional hunger? Is it a physiological hunger? Like there's different reasons why we go for different f- types of um like salty, sweet, savory things like that. I think the biggest piece with journaling from I, I'm someone that I like ever <laughs> I like everything. I want people to stay within their calories. I give a calorie range. And then hit their macros. And I want to know every single thing about their satiety because hitting your hitting balanced meals, like you were talking about, equal protein, carbon, fat for each of their meals, everybody's satiety level based off of the meal choices. You know, we always talk about people asking for can I just give me a meal plan? Tell me exactly what to eat. Like break that down for me, Jerome, and tell me exactly what those meals look like. The reason why we don't do that and they don't work is because there's only so many people that can follow something like that and eat the same thing with that track and feel satiated to do it long term. There's very few people, but there's some people that might be able to do it for a period of time. So the goal is when we start figuring out what your food options and makeup is like for each meal. That you're satiated after each meal so that you can do it long term. So for example, if Darone likes chicken, broccoli and brown rice, and he feels completely satiated and full and like he's got yummy in his belly, but there's a little bit of hunger after, but he can surf that hunger for a couple hours till his next meal. That's a great balanced meal for him. For me, I can eat that and 20 minutes later, I'm still hungry. So it's not that that's not a healthy, great option, but for me, it might not create the same satiety. I may need something like chicken, broccoli, and some pasta, or I hate broccoli. So I do chicken, green beans in my jam, and some cheese instead of, you know, that depends on what your satiety levels are. And that makes me feel full and yummy and I can surf my hunger till my next meal. So you have to be aware that the reason why we're trying to figure out what your your makeup is of each meal, not just from an education piece from the nutrition side of things, but also from a satiety place that you can do it long-term so that this is something that you actually learn how you as the individual eat and how this is something that you can implement as a lifestyle long-term. Then you can start to, like you said, Darone, as you start to figure those things out, you know what your go-to meals are, and that's how you create your individual "quote unquote" meal plan or lifestyle. And now you don't have—you may not have to journal in a MyFitnessPal type app long term because now you understand exactly what your meals look like and what really works for you. And the ultimate goal is once you get to a point where you're like hitting a groove and losing weight, you can start to pull away from journaling. I know we're gonna talk about this more, but that's the ultimate goal is to then create that trust in yourself that you know how to pick your meals and put them together and start living without constantly have to journal every morsel of the food that you put in. So there is a long-term goal is to start off to learn, to become aware, all the things that you're talking about, practice those things and then eventually pull away so that you can you know, live a healthy balanced life,
0: I did not want to interrupt you, but I'm still stuck on the fact that you eat broccoli. <laughs> and my heart is broken.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm not a broccoli girl. I mean, I'll eat it, but it's not my favorite, I guess.
0: You know what I feel like with broccoli? I like to eat broccoli and pretend I'm a dinosaur. Are
1: you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And then I'm just I'm Wait, just did, like did dinosaurs
1: away. eat broccoli.
0: No, but they eat trees and the trees are so little compared to the dinosaurs. They're so big.
1: That's where the big cedo little broccoli tree. I get I'm it.
0: Just, I'm just chomping on trees.
1: You're a big dinosaur chomping on trees. Oh I'm my. a
0: giant dinosaur.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. Like chicken, broccoli and ZD is a big thing in my like growing up. But I'm I'm not a bro- I'm green beans, Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts. Forget about
0: it. What about broccoli, Rob? I feel like that's an Italian thing.
1: Mm-mm. I know it's not my thing. Chicken broccoli and ZD is huge. My grandmother used to make that all the time.
0: Well, then. We're not friends anymore.
1: All right. I'm sorry to disappoint you.
0: All right. Moving along. (laughs) So I want to get into accuracy and I want to talk about logging and I want to uh, talk about what should go in your journal. And the answer is really everything. Um, Every
1: lick, uh, every bite, every taste,
0: uh, everything you drink, alcohol, what goes into your alcoholic beverages, like what are you doing on the weekends? We want to see a full snapshot of every day of the week. We want to be able to look at: Are you in a deficit during the week and not on the weekend? Because that's often something something that happens. What I what I will say, and you know, this is interesting. I got a text from somebody the other day, and then I jumped down the rabbit hole of all the information on it. Is uh, accuracy is important? And I got I got a text message from somebody who's like really dialed down. Uh, it was somebody that I used to compete with, who was like, "All right, I am, I'm drinking." branched chain amino acids. And he wasn't asking me like, what's your thoughts on branched chain amino acids? He's asking, can I overconsume them from a calorie standpoint?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, well, yeah, there's calories in them. You can essentially with your amino acids, you pretty much have a slightly different uh, calorie number, like a slightly different amount of energy that comes from each amino acid. Right. So for some, it's like six, for some it's four so for some it's 5.5. Uh, And then we can just look at that and say, okay, well, we can round that and we can just count it as protein and we can say that you're having four calories per each gram of ranching amino acids that you're having. So depending on how how you're how much you're having, that could offset your deficit if you're in a place where you're really dialed down. And, And I think this is an important thing to note is that sometimes people think that certain calories are negligible. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. So when they're like, hey, I've been doing everything, but there are certain things that they're not accounting for. That's super important. And with the branch chain amino acid example, he was doing four scoops of, of BCAs, and that was amounting to eight, an, an additional 80 calories a day. Now, I give people a leeway of about 100 calories anyway. Like I, if I'm giving you yeah. 1,800 calories, you're between 1,700 and 1,900 yeah. So now you add in that extra 80. And if you're above by hundred, now you're above by 180. Mm-hmm. So it's important to, to note that that is an important part of the process. And then I kind of just gave him, I left him with this. I said, listen, this is just some arbitrary number that I'm just going to come up with, but it sounds right to me. If your in amino acids are equivalent to greater than 60 calories of your day, then you probably want to scale back and or maybe you want to use a uh, a product that is going to because for some people, they don't like drinking water. They just need some flavor. And I totally understand that. Yeah. Maybe switch to something with a non-nutritive sweetener that you Mm -hmm. can drink and maybe put in your water jug or your water bottle, whatever it is, and, and take that with you for the day. Um, because the, the reality is the branched amino acids aren't really going to do anything anyway. So, Mm -hmm. you know, not when you're at that level, you're eating enough protein, you're, you're hitting your macros appropriately. The other piece that I'll say is this, the same conversation with the same person I had about meals that were eaten out from a meal prep company. Yeah. And. If you if you don't have this goes back to the portions, if you don't have a perception of portions, you can't look at a plate that you purchased from a meal prep company and say, "Okay, this label is accurate. Yeah, I've I've, seen
1: so many that are inaccurate. They're
0: all over the place. And it's crazy. and, And here's what I'll say is when a meal prep company starts getting busier. I right. think I think that they stop measuring things and they just well, throw it in a place. Well, I this plate. is in
1: general. Like, re- look at even five years ago, meal prep companies that I were aware of, there was like three, and they were small. And it was a lot of it was just for competitors. They were literally only catering to a small group. Now you can order, and they're. They're sending meals from different places, and you know they're not. I mean, a hamburger or what was it? there was one that I I saw was a cheeseburger that was like 200 calories, and I was like, that is absolutely not.
0: Yeah, maybe the patty. Not
1: even itself, close. The patty by
0: <laughs> itself is yeah probably more than 200 calories at that point. <laughs> but w- what I'll say is this: is the 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 conversation that I had around that was, oh, I'm doing everything the same. I haven't changed everything. This is what I always do, and I am not losing weight. And and then the, the what we found was the factor, the variable that was yes. different this time versus last time was, well, I didn't feel like prepping my meals this time. So I ordered from a meal prep company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let me kind of explain this. FDA allows a 25% variance. Yeah. So it could be over or under 25% and chances are it's over. Now the FDA is not keeping track of this stuff. So you might as well just say it's 50% over. So in that, in that case, essentially what happened was he took those meals out and he started losing weight again. And this is why the important, this is where the importance of tracking comes in. And I have had clients where I was like, there's no way your meals are right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the portion of rice that is in that plate. Yeah. And I want you to measure it and then tell me how much it was. And then tell me what the discrepancy was from what you are supposed to have versus what you had and it was a big discrepancy right and i've had this issue with meal prep companies over and over again where i do think you can rely on a meal prep company is there are certain companies that will just sell you the cooked portion of protein for example because- well
1: they do yeah they do like a like a uh what do you call it? like a portion of uh chick shave chicken or chicken, and then you measure it yourself.
0: Yeah. Or you buy like a pound of chicken and then they'll, and then they'll package it for you. And then you Mm -hmm. can measure it yourself. The only thing that I would be weary about with that too, is how it's being cooked. You have to account for the fat that you're cooking with. So how much fat or oil or things like that. The other thing that I'll say from a food tracking standpoint is eating out. It's but virtually impossible because that same 25% with the meal prep companies applies to restaurants, yeah. right? That's what that was created for. So calorie wise, again, you can be over under 50% and who knows how many calories you're getting. So, and this is when people are eating out, well, I'm eating good food. I'm eating quality food. I'm eating healthy. I'm, I ordered the chicken and I'm like, well, you, you don't know. First of all, you have no perception because you've never logged and you've never cooked it at home and waited at home and all the things that we just discussed. But also, you have no idea what they're cooking it in. So, the, the, there's a piece to that that I'll just say outright eating at home is always better than eating out from a health standpoint, from a nutrient standpoint, from tracking, from being accurate. Eating at home, hands down, is going to be the best thing ever. And if you're not cooking, I don't know what to tell you. I think you need to start learning how to cook and prep. And 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 I think that that is, you know, I don't want to baby people and coddle people in this conversation because I do think that, Nicole, we do sometimes coddle our clients and kind of try and uh, I guess we try and compromise with them on certain things sometimes. But the reality is I don't understand sometimes how people will come to me and they're functioning adults in in life. And you've made it this far throughout life, but you can't cook food. You don't know how to cook your own food. And yeah. to me, that's just a necessary skill as an adult. Right. Like I took home ec in high school. I was forced <laughs> to take a home ec class. I learned how to cook. I learned how to make eggs. I learned how to make. I don't know. We made monkey bread. We made all types of shit. <laughs> Like I just think that that's just an adult skill that like if you're not cooking, you better learn Listen, how to cook. You don't without- need to
1: be a gourmet cook, you but you do have to know the basics. Like, come on, you can make eggs. Anybody can make eggs. Oh, you got to be able to have the basic fundamentals so that you can at least. I mean, you can make a shake. We're not talking like I, I'm not. I will say straight out to our listeners, I'm not like as good of a cook as Jerome Jerome is an epic cook. I'm I'm like, I don't really much.
0: think I'm an epic cook. I mean, you, I just I think fo- you're better Listen, than me. I just find a recipe and I follow it or I call my yeah. mom and I'm like, mom, well, they need this go. recipe. But here's <laughs> the thing. Let me tell you what my mom does, mom. And my brother and I caught on to this a while ago. Mm-hmm. Is she'll tell you the recipe, but leave out an ingredient and she'll do it on purpose <laughs> because she wants you to come back to her. <laughs> and, and because she's just like, well, I just cook better than you. And she <laughs> wants us to eat her cooking, so I'll oh, ask mom that's... for recipes. But it's never gonna be as good as she cooks it, cause wow. she always, I she does, I swear she does. She does on it purpose. on purpose. Leaves <laughs> an ingredient out.
1: That's hilarious. That's so funny. No, I'm not the greatest cook, but I can make the basics. And I actually, I'm very boring eater in that sense. Like I do like the not all the same things, but you know.
0: Listen, if you can't cook, Simple. go on. Go on allrecipes.com. Yep. Type in whatever it is and go ahead and cook it and learn to cook. And I think that's a useful skill. And I tell people all the time, you need to try new spices, try new seasonings, see how they mix together. It's a skill that you learn, and develop. You can suck at cooking now, but if you do it over time, you get better and better at it. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of practice with cooking when I was in Boston.
1: Yeah.
0: So, you know,
1: specifically make me dinner. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. So. Moving along with this conversation, I want to talk about how to track and different strategies. And I want to talk about different strategies that don't include a food journal because a food journal is not for everyone. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: want to talk about why a food journal is not for everyone. So the first thing that I want to get into is the different types of food journals that are available and maybe some pros and cons with those uh, technologies or or the things that we use. So generally we're talking apps here. So MyFitnessPal, first and foremost, the app that We use, and many coaches, most coaches use, it's probably the biggest, most popular app that exists. Mm -hmm. We use it because we can add people and view their food journals from home. So we can coach people virtually while looking at their journals. And we can look at areas of opportunity for you. Uh, Some pros and cons of MyFitnessPal is the the database is user-made. So... Mm -hmm. Other users will enter in foods and they will enter them in incorrectly in terms of macronutrients and calories. So you need to watch out for that if you're using that app. Um, MyFitnessPal has implemented a green check, which is a verification. So if enough users verified a certain item, then it's quote unquote accurate. However, the same people that are putting in the entries are the same people that are you know, kind of voting on these things or, or verifying them Mm -hmm. and they tend to not really be entirely correct either. So the green check really doesn't mean anything to me either. So what I typically do is I have people go on calorie King and cross check it or use one of our macronutrient guides from eat right nutrition. Yep, And we have all of those entries, which we've sourced from calorie King. So all those entries are correct on that macronutrient guide. Um, and what I'll say, and we've done this in a previous podcast is if you want a copy of our macronutrient guide, feel free to shoot me a DM, shoot us a DM at eat right nutrition on Instagram. And I'd be happy to send you that so that you have that as, as a reference. And what I would do is just collect some basic information from you. What are your goals? What is your height, weight, your age, and you know, all the criteria that's going to fit into a, a Mifflin equation, because that's how the, the, the macronutrient guide is broken down and I'd be happy to send that out to you uh if you shoot us a dm. Now, the other apps that are available. So there's MyFitnessPal. What I will say the pro of MyFitnessPal is that it is a it, it has a very large because it's user-made entries, it has a very yeah. large database so you can basically log everything. And you also have the ability to put in your own entries.
1: Yeah, you can create your own recipes, you can create your own meals and so You can take pictures of labels. I mean, there's a lot of different ways other than just going based off the database.
0: Yeah. And then other food journals we have uh, we have lose it. We have chronometer, which those are probably the three most popular food journal apps. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure about the databases. I I feel like if the company itself sources or makes the database it's more likely to be accurate, but there's probably going to be uh, far less entries available in yeah. that so it might be a little bit more difficult to log from that standpoint the other thing i'll say is calorie king so i go i don't use a food journal at this point when i'm trying to hit a goal what i'll do is i'll just real quick reference calorie king of foods that i commonly eat and i'll say okay well i need to hit, hit for at four meals a day that's normally what i eat is four meals a day at four meals a day i need to hit 40 grams of protein and then I go into calorie King and I'll type in what I plan on eating. And then I figure, okay, well, how's that? What's that going to look like in terms of ounces of, you know, yeah, whatever it is, Turkey. And I don't have to log it because I know at the end of the day, I had four equal portions of that, which was equal to my protein source. Yeah. Um, and I do the same thing for carbs. And I do the same thing. Like I, I have memorized that one medium apple is 25 grams of carbs. So I know if I need 50 grams of carb in a meal, I'm halfway there with an apple and then the other half, I'm probably there with a little more than, uh, let's say, half a cup of rice is going to of cooked rice is going to get me the other half. And then I'm going to be roughly about 50 grams. So this is why I say you don't need to necessarily rely on a food journal, because over time you be, you become aware and you develop an understanding. Yeah. Right. But that takes time and you need to have some exposure to it. Yes. And then what I'll say is this, and Nicole, this was a uh, assignment that I did for a pro- for a, a school project on the newer softwares that have come out where you take a picture of it and then it logs it into a food journal for you. Yeah. So you, you take your phone, you take a picture of a food, and then it will say, okay, it'll identify the food and then it'll tell you how many grams of, or a meal, right? You take a picture of your meal and it'll tell you what's on your plate how many grams of carbs, fat and protein are on, on that plate that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. I saw an Instagram ad for this because obviously I get a ton of nutrition. Yeah. Instagram ads, because a lot of my feed is, you know, instant, uh, uh, nutrition, bodybuilding, you know, other coaches, yeah. things like that. So, and snowboarding, snowboarding is a big one on my, and cars, but, and dogs out, and, and puppies. Yeah. So, <laughs> but outside of that, um there was a, a there's an app called Hit Meal and it was a sponsored ad. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, I was shocked because I was like, why would you guys sponsor this ad? There was a a kind of a frying pan and it had eggs and bacon on it, and they had scanned it on the phone and they were like recording this thing, and then it came up with the macros and it said 46 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, it's eggs and bacon. Like, where is where's the carbs? Yeah. So this is this is what i want to say about these softwares you have to be very careful with new technology yeah so there was a a recent study that came out in 2020 that assessed different softwares and compared them to each other Mm -hmm. right so there's uh different softwares there's different uh recognition um kind of like ai softwares that there's google vision there's watson recognition amazon recognition there's something called log meal there's food ai clarify snappy meal, lose it, which apparently I think is that same app. So lose it has their own. You take a picture and I'd be careful with that. There's bite snap and food, uh, food visor. And then there's also calorie mama. And I was joking with Nicole earlier that if she was an app, she <laughs> would be, she would be called calorie mama. So I think we're just going like to change. That. We're going to change her name. <laughs> He's going to be boss Blasey, the calorie mama.
1: I like it. I like
0: it. (laughs) So, but, but these are all apps where you'll take a picture. And what they did was they just wanted to see if they can accurately, I think there was like 180 foods or something like that. And they wanted Mm -hmm. to take a picture of the food, single foods and see if it can accurately just figure out what the actual food is. Not even, not even equating for calories. Yeah. And what they found was 9% was the lowest. So what they did was they took the number of meals that it, that it, uh, calculated they divided it like how many were accurate and then they divided it by the total and then they got an average so what they found was on average nine percent accurate was the lowest which is horrible right you're let's say you scan 100 foods and only nine foods are are, it can only identify nine foods and 68 was the highest which is still not good for me right i'm like that's not enough And here's the thing is they measured it in different under different lighting at different angles, and they got all these different variances. So here's what I'm going to say about that type of technology. I'm going to say right now, don't use it. However, I will say I do have faith in AI technology, and I do have faith in the fact that we will be able to catapult that forward. We're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. Nicole, why are you looking at me like that?
1: (laughs) Because I think that is the worst idea ever
0: to do. I don't, I don't think Ever. so. I don't think so.
1: I do. Where This is where we can have a, an agree to disagree mindset because here's the thing. So I had, I have had a client, I've had many clients ask me like, can I just, cause I'm a huge food picture person. If you follow my boss Blasey account, I have tons of clients that send me food pictures. I make them send me food pictures. I don't do it in an app. It's something that I just have them send me And we do it for very different reasons than what you're describing right now and very different opportunities of education than what you're describing. And I think taking a picture and have it calculate numbers is, I don't know. I'm I'm not really- Well, I'll put it to you like this.
0: Nicole, how many times do you have a client that is, it's so tedious to log in each and every item that I eat in that meal and they kind of get tired of doing it. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But what I'll say is how much easier would it be if you can just say, take a picture of your, f- your food and it'll log it in the journal for you. It's yes. a lot quicker. Listen, clients don't have to think. They just have to plate their food and there then it'll upload into their app.
1: That's part of the reason why I don't like it is that they don't have to think. That bothers me. But I've had I have clients that ask me like, "Can I just take the picture and it calculate it macula- like it should immaculate like just do it for me?" And I'm like, "That's absolutely never going to be okay with me because you need to know what you're putting in your body and there's so much more to nutrition therapy and your relationship with food than just taking a picture and having it track it for you or what you're talking about when we talk about my fitness pal. Putting in and following numbers, there's pros and cons to that. And the cons are really strong. I know we're going to get to those. And I just think we're getting so far away from eating to be healthy and eating to lose weight and keep it off and creating a lifestyle that we're mindlessly now going to have someone calculate and track everything for us. I'm not necessarily totally against it, although my instincts—I'm so old school. Like Daron and I were talking about this offline. I have clients write in a notebook their food, and they're losing weight. They, like you don't have to track well, listen, every morsel that you what I, eat, except in the beginning when you're trying to get educated. After that, I'm pulling me, people away from that.
0: Let me just jump in here. So go
1: ahead, go ahead. There
0: w- There have always been and there will always be pros and cons to technological advancements, period. Yeah. Right. So when we developed cars, we walk less. Right. No, 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 no. (laughs) We we walk less. Right. And old school Nicole back then would have been like, oh, well, now (laughs) we're not getting our fucking exercise. Right. So no, I I wouldn't go that
1: far, but I understand your analogy.
0: Cell phones. Right. Pros and cons to that. Um, there's, there's video games, pros and cons. Kids are less active, right? Mm -hmm. Every technology comes with pros and cons because in some ways it makes our lives more convenient and easier. I
1: totally agree with you.
0: But what I'll say is I'm optimistic for this creation and for it to be refined in the future. And I think I personally think it's going to be a good alternative to like, if I were to develop an app and put this technology in the app and it actually worked and had like 99% accuracy, then yeah, yeah, sure. No problem.
1: Yeah. Well, like, listen, like, like my fitness pillar and any of these current apps that have pros and cons, you're absolutely right. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, you know, from a, a coaching standpoint for me, my goal is to get people to journal only to learn, become aware, understand portion distortion. I, it's a teaching tool. But I got to be honest with you, the faster that I can get someone out of an app and out of counting and tracking and whatever, the better. And then the only time I have clients go back to something like that is if we have a new goal and we're establishing a new You know, way of doing things. So if someone's in maintenance, I'm like, get off the app, take it off your phone, go live, practice living, practice moderation, practice self trust, practice building your relationship around food, practice all of the things that you need to do as a normal human without tracking food. That is something that for our listeners, too, you should always get to a point where you can do that. And then if you come back and say, okay, Nicole, I'm ready to do a triathlon, a marathon, I want to build more muscle. I want to fine tune and lose a few more pounds. Then we go back to the app and use it as an education and a tool to fine tune what might you, what you might need to do to figure out the strategies that are going to get you to the goal that you're trying to hit. But once you get there, you need to pull yourself off the app, take a break, and then use it when it's appropriate. I This is something that I really work hard with clients and it it works for me in my case. Right.
0: Well, so moving along, since we're talking about not being on (laughs) not being on apps, I want to talk about situations where you may not want to use an app to track things. First and foremost, like Nicole just said, an app is something to be used as a temporary tool to educate you, to create awareness, to teach you some it's a tool, right? Mm-hmm. and then you should be able to have that self-trust where you can say, okay, well, I can eye things out. I can eat in moderation. I'm, I'm, I know what my hunger and satiety cues look like. I know when I eat out, I know what 80% feel, of oh, feels like, right? Yeah. All of these things. There are other instances though, where looking at and tracking for some people, yes, although it's a very useful tool, looking at every morsel of food that you put in and every gram, like some people get, nuts with it, right? It's too much. And they get obsessive with it. And that can cause you to develop some disordered eating patterns. So for those people that have that tendency to do that, and I've had situations where I've told people like, hey, listen, I don't think a food journal is going to be right for you. Let's find other alternatives and other strategies.
1: Mm -hmm. I think the biggest piece in terms of the stress piece to that, if if you're trying to Create meals that match numbers as opposed to paying attention to how satiated you are, foods that you like. it It's not a long-term strategy for people that get stressed and obsessed and overthink. And second guess, I think, is the biggest piece to that. They're like, oh, I had this meal, but I'm not really sure. Or they get to the end of the day and they have like 20 grams of carbs left and they're force feeding something in and they they just get way too, it becomes too overcomplicated and too cumbersome for them to focus on that. And so pulling them off of an app and just focusing on, are, is there a protein on your plate? Are you eating two fistfuls of vegetables a day? And really scaling back to something simple and basic, um, I think is a much better way to do things. And that's where I personally use pictures with my clients. It's not to track the numbers or to find out even how many calories, it's really just to make sure. There's color on your plate. There's vegetables on your plate. You're getting protein on your plate. There's healthy fats and how you're putting them together in combination that make you feel full and satisfied. I really want in this episode for you to understand that it depends on the person what type of tracker you are? If you're someone that likes to write it on a piece of paper, put it in a uh, you know an app like MyFitnessPal. If you like to take pictures, if you like to just build off of meals, if you just like to track a palm of protein, a fist of carbs, you know things of that nature. There is no one way to do it. As long as you're achieving your goal, learning something, and becoming more aware, there's lots of different variations to be successful. So I don't want anyone feeling bad. Like if you're not tracking every morsel of food that you can't be successful, that's my.
0: So I'll say this to Nicole's point, uh, pictures of meals is something where, and we'll use that in the eat right nutrition app where you can, Mm -hmm. where we house everybody's workouts. And we also track if they're taking pictures of meals, they can just upload that into the app. Right. And then, you know, we're looking at it from, we're just looking at your meals there. Uh, That. I think is useful because we can give you an example of how to plate your food and then you can say, okay, you can be wildly successful doing that, right? Yeah, from an
1: accountability standpoint, what's really great about the app too is that it populates in your calendar. So say, for example, Daron, you tell someone that they have to have three meals a day for the 30 days and they need to get two vegetables a day and a palm of protein at every meal. The great part about that using the app that way for pictures is that, just like workouts if i if we look at a calendar and, and someone says i worked out only It'll twice this month
0: whether or not you did it
1: yeah and so yeah. you can look at the month and see how widely successful you've been which in something like a my fitness pal you can see that you've tracked for like 500 days in a row but you don't have a visual of the foods which is it's pretty powerful
0: the other thing that i'll say that you can do from a Tracking standpoint is doing a, a, either a habit tracker or empowerment test. So, Nicole, I know you like to use the empowerment test, where you're like, OK, these are your empowerment tests and this is what I want mm-hmm. you to focus on this week or this month mm-hmm. um, or a habit tracker where you've got the habits listed and then you've got uh, boxes to check off uh, the days of the week. So if you say, OK, well, I just want to have, let's say, a palm full of protein uh, three times a day. And I want to do that every day. So you're going to check off the days of the week that you did that. You're not going to maybe put an X on the on the days that you didn't do it. What I actually also like to do is rather than put a check on the days that you do it, put a W for win because mm-hmm. you're celebrating that victory. And I think that is reinforcing, yeah, um, that that habit that. for you, right? And it could be you can track anything. You can track it. It doesn't necessarily have to be just food. It could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I want to hit 7,000 steps a day. I want to meditate daily. I want to sleep eight I hours want, a night. I want to get eight hours of sleep. I want to have a balanced breakfast in the morning. And then we can kind of met, uh, 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 plan out what that balanced breakfast looks like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then the other thing, and, and this is where I started because I started pre, I think I started pre my fitness pal, or I didn't even know it existed at the time. You know what? I did start pre my fitness pal. Cause I didn't have an, I, I didn't even have an iPhone at that time.
1: We did paper and pen when I was a dancer. I so mean- I,
0: I did paper. And the first thing I ever started tracking was protein. And I had uh, the pullout, the list from uh, Flex magazine that told me mm-hmm. how much protein was in one ounce of each meat and or one ounce of each protein source. And I would use that and I'd say, OK, well, I just want to at the end of each meal, I'm going to write down how many ounces it was and how many grams of protein was in that. And then at the end of the day, I would calculate the total. And then I would have basically a sample day of which made me successful. And what I could say, what you can do about with that, that type of strategy too, is you can even write it down ahead of time the day before and plan out the next day is probably an even better strategy because a lot of times if people aren't planning, if they haven't learned or don't have the tools yet, it's a lot easier to, to get off track and like, you're trying to like piece it together right on the spot. And yeah. You're, and then you look at the end of the day and you look back and you're like, I I missed the target this day. I'm going to try again tomorrow. And then you try the same thing and you're trying to scramble it and then you yeah. never get it. And then before you know it, weeks have gone by of you doing this and then you're just like, I give up. I can't do it. So
1: well, that's my whole point about f- knowing how, who you are as a tracker. Like um, if you're someone that needs visualization, like, the habit trackers the empowerment tasks for me are really successful because i'm also a bit of a dork when it comes to highlighters like you use the w for wins i'll use like a pink for a win a yellow for moderate and like a green or a green for a win a yellow for moderate and a red for you know or orange for like didn't meet the goal or whatever when you look at the picture of the week written down I'll say to someone, circle the protein, X out the, the fiber of vegetables and, you know, star your fat. Either way, the goal is that you still are becoming aware of what's on your plate. You're aware of what you're putting in. And the reason why I also like um, a paper piece of paper um, tracker is I'll have them write their meals and then on the sidebar, I'll have them put licks, bites, tastes, you know, um, liquid, and then how they feel, like on a scale of one to 10. Was it a satisfying meal, unsatisfying, you know, stuffed, full, bloated, whatever, like metric? And it is really cool to see that if someone eats, like I said, the chicken broccoli and ZD and they are unsatisfied and like 45 minutes later they're looking for chocolate. Okay, we have something we may need to tweak and work on there, where in a macro tracker with calories and macros, there's no like meter for satisfaction and you, you don't have anything to write or compare it to week to week and measure things like that. So again, there's lots of different ways to do it. You can be successful in all, all, all options.
0: So just to recap, I think food journals or some way of tracking is important so that you kind of have something to measure, something to work off of. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tool for you to use to educate yourself around the foods that you're eating, looking at the compositions, the macronutrients, how many calories you're actually eating in a day, what your habits are during the week versus the weekend. It creates a a ton of awareness and it gives you guidance in terms of portion sizes, what portions you've been eating, what portions you need to eat. It also helps you to track your hunger and satiety cues. uh, And you can also track your behaviors around food and what your cues are or triggers are to eat in certain ways there are multiple different apps that you can use. You can use my fitness pal, lose it chronometer calorie King. I don't think that the AI softwares are good gauges just yet. I know Nicole doesn't like to use them at all, but I, mm-hmm. I think that I'm optimistic for them to be more accurate in the future. I think technology it's, it never ceases to amaze me uh, what technology can do and can accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I do think as they refine the database and, you know, add more pictures and stuff and whatever they do to work those algorithms. uh, I am optimistic for that type of technology in the future. I just don't think that it's something that you need to use right now. And if you aren't comfortable with logging or you're somebody who tends to obsess over meals or things log, there are other strategies that you can use. You can take pictures of meals. You can do a comparison with what a plate should look like or a theoretical plate should look like. I think that's something that is best served if you're working with a coach to do that picture strategy. You can use habit trackers and just check off the days of the week or write a W like I talked about, or you can do a written log where you're just tracking individual macronutrients and then moving on to the next one. So those are all different strategies that you can use. Pick what works for you is really the most important take-home message of Mm -hmm. anything that we ever talk about You have to do what's right for you. You have to do what you can stick to in the long term. And on that note, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.